Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. I guess we all have social media now, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And we are out there posting their uh, our opinions for the world to see. But are the people who matter really seeing our opinions? Well, there's an app right now being developed that's going to be deployed uh, very soon. It's called Be the Change, which is going to allow people just like you and I, to reach our state legislators directly, the person behind the app is Bhavani Patel. She's from Edgewood. Uh, she's the founder of a company called Beam Data. Uh, good morning, Bhavani. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me onto the show. Thank you for taking some time to talk with us. I want to talk about this Be the Change app that is going to be uh, developed soon. Well, I'll tell you what. I- I- explain a little bit. To- to give us the elevator pitch right now for the app so that we can kind of tease people right now. Yeah, so the app is currently actually available in the Apple App Store right now, and we're going to be releasing the Android and web-based version at the end of this month. Uh, But it's a very simple app. It's an app that basically connects you to your state legislators. We tell you who your state representative and state senator are based on the address that you provide, and we invite you to share community causes directly with them. And then we also give you updates about what's happening in terms of legislative bills and how your representatives are voting. Who monitors this app, because this is something that has become a problem with Facebook and Twitter and, and some other social media is that there's a lot of yeah. junk uh, posted. So who's who's keeping an eye on on what you, people are telling their state legislators? Yep. So we actually have a team of people behind the behind the scenes that have been working on the development of the app. And we obviously have a group of people who are monitoring and making sure that um, we're keeping the legislative bills posted and updated and then making sure that everything on the app is being kept safe and friendly. There's also security features on the app so that if users see some things that are kind of violent or devices that make them feel uncomfortable, they can actually report that um, post and then we would get a, a notification. We would, t- you know, we would take it from there. But the app is kind of interesting. And I, and I like how you mentioned the idea of, you know, what's the difference between Be the Change and existing social media apps like Twitter and Facebook. And we're different in a couple different ways, right? You can technically go on to Twitter right now and likely reach your state senator and state representative. But, you know, what is the sort of like constructive conversation and back and forth that's going to happen from that? And are you actually going to be able to get the answers that you want for, you know, deep seated questions that are impacting your neighborhood? Um, and, and I think that arguably a lot of people would say no. Oftentimes, a lot of those conversations get derailed and elected officials are also hesitant to engage, like, you know, for a variety, variety of reasons. I mean, that there's a lot of challenges in terms of keeping conversations focused, both on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so Be the Change really does facilitate a focused conversation around the state legislator, you can get the information that you need and really get a sense of what is impacting your community directly. And then in terms of the back and forth, um, you know, constituents or people in the community can share community causes and they can upvote and downvote um, the posts in their neighborhood. But we don't allow commenting. So people can't comment in other people's posts because we want to avoid that sort of the business of moderating and having to stop people from expressing themselves um, or even having to just moderate the, the sort of divisiveness that can oftentimes happen. But elected officials are allowed to comment. Elected officials are invited to actually respond to the community causes that are being shared in their district. 
the new app is called Be the Change. We're going to talk a little bit more about how it works later on in the half hour. Bhavani Patel is our guest. She's the founder of Beam Data. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about how you got into this um, area of collecting data for public causes, because you've done other work in the past with uh, some of the local government agencies, including, I think you've done extensive work with Allegheny County in the city of Pittsburgh, correct? That is correct, yeah. So Beam Data is the company. So Beam Data basically is a civic tech startup that is really focused on thinking about socially oriented issues in our communities, as well as how data can facilitate problem solving in those areas. And so as you mentioned, we Beam Data has worked closely with the city of Pittsburgh and Allegheny County um, on the Complete Count Committee. Um, ensuring that we get an effective uh, 2020 census count because ultimately that data is going to be driving a lot of things in terms of funding allocation and making sure that underrepresented communities are also you know, identified and represented when we think about foundations um, allocating funding to different nonprofits and other you know, community block grants and things like that. So we, are, we have been involved in that. We've also worked with a few different organizations to create data visualization projects because being able to visualize data and tell a story with it is incredibly important. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of how I got into this work, um, for a variety of different reasons. I mean, I I had run for Allegheny County Council in District Eight during a special election, and just having knocked on doors and having had conversations with people about what they were experiencing in their neighborhoods, I recall those conversations just being so rich in terms of personal experiences. And I'm a firm believer that those experiences are truly what should inform policymaking because people who live in their neighborhoods are ultimately experts of what they're experiencing and how we can potentially resolve these problems. And I think that there's a vast communication gap oftentimes between how elected officials can take in all that information at scale and people can feel like they're being heard. I want to talk more about this complete count committee because uh, as people are listening to this, there are only a few more days for people to self-respond to the U.S. census. The census response rates in Pennsylvania, the self-response rate at least, has varied anywhere from below 50% to up in the 70s and 80s, although the most recent figure I saw is something like 90, they believe now, something like 94 to 95% of of everybody has been counted. Uh, Bhavani Patel is uh, our guest. What is your website for Beam Data, if people want to find out more about Beam Data? The website is www.beam-data.com. Okay, we'll give that out uh, later on in the program as well. Uh, Tell me about your educational background. Uh, You... Do I remember correctly that uh, you went to Oxford? That is correct. Okay. So I, yes, I, I uh, grew up in Monroeville, went to Gateway K through 12. So go Gators. Um, <laughs> there you go. And then I actually didn't go too far away. I went to Pitt for my undergrad, um, University of Pittsburgh, and then took a gap year and continued to do a lot of sort of community organizing work in the neighborhood, um, focusing on a lot of public health issues related to lead. Uh, and then I actually ended up applying for the Rotary Global Grant Scholarship um, and ended up getting funded by the Rotary Global, you know, the Rotary Club, and that is what supported my master's degree at the University of Oxford. So I actually spent two years there, getting an MPhil in international relations, and um, soon after I decided to move back to Pittsburgh because this is the best city, uh, <laughs> and I just I have a lot of really great relationships here, and I, I feel really committed to the growth of the greater Pittsburgh region. Um, so it just made sense for me to come back home. That must be, it must have been somewhat intimidating though. We, we, we think in the United States is what roughly 250 years of, of settlement by uh, settlers. Um, and, and we think that that's a lot of history, but it's really not a lot of history when you go to Oxford, which was founded in what year? Create some crazy year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you've got, you've got history there that's going back to like the yeah. 13th century, right? So right, right. Absolutely. That, that's right. There's the- 
there's a there's a tremendous history when we think about colonization, when you think about sort of what it means to to conquer other lands and adopt those cultures and kind of wash out some of those cultures. Uh, I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I really appreciate this question for a variety of different reasons. But I think the biggest is that when I went to Oxford, I had I had stayed so close to home and everything was pretty familiar to me. And I, you know, if anything ever went wrong, as a cliche as I could always go running home. But if things went wrong and I felt uncomfortable, you know, so many thousand miles away from home, I had to figure it out and I had to kind of carve out my own path. Um, and I was doing it in a place like Oxford, right? Like there's a certain reputation that comes with that. There's heads of states, prime ministers from all over the world that have graduated from this, this institution. There's, so there's a very rich kind of legacy associated with it. And I think that while I was at Oxford, that intimidation factor um, is what truly allowed me, I think, to find my own voice because if you're going to survive in a place like that, you really have to know what your opinions are and you have to have the confidence or you have to, you better find it pretty quickly if you're going to survive and thrive in a place like that. I mean, we had people, you know, we had secretaries of state and, and U.S., former U.S. presidents and things like that and, you know, heads of nonprofit organizations, big ones, coming to speak to us at Oxford. And so you eventually begin to normalize the fact that this person in front of me is also just another human being with ideas and they acted on those ideas. So you, you kind of, you soak that in, that energy almost. And I feel like spending two years at Oxford is, that's where I found my voice in many ways. I mean, Pitt kind of gave me the head start, mm-hmm. but Oxford is really what solidified that confidence. Yeah, that, is, that I, 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 just to jump back for a second, I do like that idea that um, at Pitt, you know, did you live in the dorms? Because I mean, you, you know, you can, you, you're, you're a bus ride away from home if something goes wrong. It's a long way from home if, if you're in England. Uh. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, like, at, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, like at Pitt, people are just so welcoming. Like yeah. I was so close to my advisors, like my advisors felt like family. You know, I had advisors checking up on me as if they were my parents. So Pitt, Pitt was just a different experience. There's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the training that I got at Pitt and the relationships that I built that I even felt minutely capable of even going to an institution like Oxford, even entertaining the idea of applying, applying for the roads, for example, I, I, yeah. I had the honor of interviewing for that. Um, and it's all because of Pitt. It really is. That's very interesting. Uh, Bhavani Patel is our guest. She's the founder of Beam Data. You can find their website at beam-data.com. We're also going to be talking more about this Be the Change app uh, that is rolling out now. It's uh, on the Apple Store now. It's going to be on the Android Store soon. And it is going to enable you to uh, directly contact your state representative or state senator and explain to them what concerns that you have and see what concerns your neighbors are sharing. We have to take a 30-second break. When we come back, can we talk a little bit more about what a attracted you to this public service uh, model of data collection and also to community organizing, okay? Absolutely. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families at White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at strifflers.com or call 412-678-6191. You, you took a gap year to do some community organizing. What has attracted you to uh, getting involved in the local community? Did you have your mom and dad, parents, aunts and uncles, anybody involved in public service? Or Yes, yeah, so no, no, actually, no one in my family is involved in public service. But um, my mom actually, um, so whenever she came to Pittsburgh, 
uh, you know, I grew up in the area and she just, she felt incredibly welcomed by the community and had a lot of support, which is what led her to open her own um, businesses actually at the University of Pittsburgh, um, as well as Carnegie Mellon University. So she has food trucks there, two Indian Indian food trucks and just kind of like working in the summers and being in, in, you know, in the food truck and interacting with different professors and students and getting a true essence of what it means to be involved in your community and be welcomed by your community was something that I was really attracted to. And I think that Pitt really set it up in such a way where I could um, do fellowships like the community-based research fellowship and go into the area and work with different nonprofits and really get a sense of, you know, what are the different populations that exist in the area, like the Bhutanese refugee communities, African immigrants, and what are sort of their lived experiences. And so it, one thing led to another and it was just, it became a pattern of who I am. And I realized like, interacting with people, learning about their life histories, thinking about policy and orienting those stories in in conjunction with policy is what my passion is. Um, And it was very much so an exploratory path for me. It wasn't necessarily so definitive that I knew that this is what I wanted to do. But I was at liberty, fortunately, because of just support from from home, that I had the opportunity to kind of experiment and, and, and do that. Let, let me ask a, a, a rude question. Though. There's no money in it, right? So you're in data collection, and, and we know from the models of, like, Facebook that it's, you know, $20 billion uh, company that's built on collecting data, right? The old saying in computer mm-hmm. science is that if you're not paying for the product, you are the product, and nobody pays for Facebook, but they collect all this data on us. Yeah. Google collects all this data on us, Um mm-hmm. Doing it for the public sector, there, there, there's not that kind of money in it. So what? It, so that's really got to be something that you have a real passion for. Yeah. So uh, as with any sort of startup, uh, money is obviously something quite difficult to think about initially in the beginning stages. And as I mentioned, it's been about a year since I moved back to Pittsburgh, and so this is probably my going. I'm, you know, I'm going to be entering into year two of kind of organizing this company. And so we are a for-profit company. Okay. And so, you know, there are various ways to think about sort of um, the business model behind it. But one thing that we're really passionate about is centering the idea of being social mission oriented. So, you know, the information that we are collecting, which is basically community feedback, how can we organize that information and make it accessible to nonprofit organizations, for example, or other social mission oriented organizations that are doing community level work that don't necessarily have the capacity to collect their own data, but could certainly value from data whenever they're writing their grant applications or whenever they're trying to think about, you know, social impact or collective impact. And so the business model isn't exactly um, clear, but our goal is, is to, you know, how can we facilitate these processes of understanding communities on a deeper level and help social mission oriented organizations develop, you know, community development corporations, for example, do their job better. Um, So because we just launched, you know, we're still waiting in order to build out the downloads and engagement, but we're hoping that at some point we can kind of glean some interesting insights of what people are experiencing and then, you know, hopefully push social change and policy change around that. Bhavani Patel is founder of BeamData.com. Uh, you can find them at Beam-Data.com. We're talking about her work with a new app called Be the Change. And also uh, want to ask you a little bit about the census collection work. And I want to jump back a, a second because I think it's very easy to sort of get lost in the weeds and people here data and what is what is data the census is being collected right now some people filled it out online some people filled it out over the phone some people filled it out with paper and you know you sit there and you check boxes on the paper when we talk about data that covers a lot of territory doesn't it right so the way that i like to think about it especially when we think about be the change and the sort of civic tech app and and be the change connecting folks to state their state legislators the idea behind it is basically that you know 
state senators and state representatives, they're, they're individuals. They usually have small offices and, you know, are resource strapped and one individual cannot be everywhere, but oftentimes they're serving an entire district. And, and then when you throw in the unexpected components of a pandemic, you suddenly cannot meet in person you can't suddenly have town hall conversations. So how does an elected representative stay in touch with their constituents and vice versa? And so we think that being able to develop a very simple communication tool that kind of eliminates that gap and makes it easy for people to, first of all, know who their elected officials are. So there's an educational component around that, right? It's so incredibly important to be connected and to identify how local and state government impact us because that directly impacts us oftentimes more so than federal. Um, so the goal is basically everything is sort of district district boundary boundary, right? So if I live in a if I live in say the 43rd district and I want to contact my state representative who's summerly and my state senator Senator Jay Costa, I the app recognizes these are my representatives and anything that I post on the app will be directly shared with these folks as long as they decide to sign on to the app with us. They will get this information directly to them so that they know that my constituents are trying to communicate with me and here's what they're talking about. And so that's basically location, time-based information that's coming from your constituency so that elected officials can make better decisions. Um, you know, we also take privacy very seriously. So, I mean, all the all the posts that you people share on the app are public. So it's a public feed. So if anybody can kind of just log on to the app to see what's being discussed in their neighborhood. But we also give people the option to post anonymously because there are sometimes things that you're noticing in your community and you don't want to attach your name to it. Um, so we, we take that very seriously as well. Um, so, you know, the, the, the mission is pretty simple. We just want to connect people um, and keep them informed um, and, and do it in a more organized, data-driven fashion because oftentimes right now, data can be very disaggregated at the local and state level. People are calling in, right. people are coming in, data exists all over the place, but there needs to be a consistent fashion in which that information is being logged. It, it, it's very chopped up the way the data comes into these offices, I'm sure, right? Um, it People call, people send letters, people email, right. people before COVID probably dropped in in person to complain, especially um, around here. We've got a lot of older folks and they're used to that face-to-face -face interaction. With this Be the Change app that you're developing, will there be a way to bring the, all those different inputs together so that it's all in one place? So we wouldn't necessarily control how offices are already managing because, I mean, some offices do a really fantastic mm -hmm. job and why mess up something that's already working so well, right? We, we want to keep those options. So if you prefer calling, you should definitely call. We just want to add another tool to the bucket to give you another option just in case you don't want to call or you want to kind of keep track of what's being discussed in your neighborhood. And then this is also an effort to bring in younger populations too, which are oftentimes more app-oriented and technologically capable of you know, engaging in this way and may not necessarily feel comfortable with directly calling. Um, but so in terms of, you know, how we organize our data, yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, we're, you know, the way that we're collecting information that people can, you know, there's an opportunity to be consistent and create reports around that. And I'm sure they're already doing it at the state and local level. Um, and there's certainly an opportunity to glean insights from how they're collecting that information and how we're doing it. And ideally come together and put that together to come up with a longer term plan. We haven't even gotten into the work that you've done with the Complete Count Committee, and we're coming up on a, another uh, 30 second break. So when we come back, let's pause here. And when we come back, let's talk about the Complete Count Committee, some of the data analysis that you did there. And I'd be interested in finding out what kind of insights that you were able to get from, from the data that you and other researchers looked at, okay? Absolutely. Uh, Bhavani Patel is founder of beamdata.com. You can find them, beam-data.com. Uh, she in, works on civic engagement apps. So this is data analysis collection and uh, software analysis tools that are designed to collect public 
data. You're all used to, we're all used to having our data collected by Google and Facebook for private companies. This is uh, for the public benefit. Stay tuned. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers, 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media, Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Welcome back. Our guest for a few more minutes is Bhavani Patel of Beam Data. We're talking about uh, her startup company, which is a civic engagement software uh, developer and data collection uh, company, beam-data.com. Where have you recruited people? You have other people that work for you at Beam Data, correct? You have developers, data analysis, Uh statistical people? What kind of people? Yeah, right, right. So uh, I'm um, obviously the, I'm I'm full-time. I'm the CEO of this company. Um, But we do have a, you know, we have a small but mighty team just because, you know, we're pretty passionate about this mission and most of us are doing this in a voluntary capacity because we still haven't done, um, in terms of seeking out funding, we're still figuring that out. And we just really care about, being able to provide this information to, to, like I said, nonprofits and um, elected officials to build better policy and healthier communities. Um, So in terms of our team, we have a graphic designer who we've been working very closely with. Um, We have our developers who've been helping us out with Android and iPhone development, as well as web application development. And then um, somebody who kind of plays the role of product manager. Um, um, Yeah. And then, you know, kind of me taking on all the other aspects of what it means to build a startup in terms of content creation and, maintaining, um, building partnerships, um, and things like that. Well, let me ask you a hard question because we've had a lot of entrepreneurs on this program. We've also have had, uh, John Biggs, who's a tech writer out of Brooklyn, who I know from, from Carnegie Mellon. And I Mm -hmm. put the question to John who covers the tech startup industry. Why are there not more tech startups in places such as Pittsburgh? And he was sort of, I I don't want to say he was dismissive, but he said, they're just not going to be in places like Pittsburgh. They're in, Silicon Valley, they're in New York City, they're in Boston on the 128 corridor, they're not coming to places like Pittsburgh, because according to him, the talent pool just isn't big enough. Do you have, have you had any trouble recruiting people to a tech startup in Pittsburgh? I would, I would push back a little bit on that. I mean, I think Pittsburgh is certainly emerging as um, a place where people are excited about experimenting with new ideas and building technology startups. I mean, you have organizations like Vibrant Pittsburgh that have been doing a lot of phenomenal Mm -hmm. job in terms of trying to retain talent and not just talent, but diverse talent. Um, and we've worked very closely with students from Carnegie Mellon University and the University of Pittsburgh mm-hmm. in terms of seeking graphic design talent as well as um, application development talent. So I think, I, you know, I, I think um, Pittsburgh has a lot to offer, especially when we think about like research and development. Some of like the bigger, you know, robotics is a big thing mm-hmm. here. Healthcare innovation is yeah. a big thing here. You oftentimes don't really hear about civic tech startups being, you know, built in Pittsburgh. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I, I think that, there is some truth to that statement. And the reason that is, is because for, for, for some founders, it can be really difficult, especially if you're a minority founder, female, you know, person of color, it can be oftentimes difficult to get to get the funding that you need to sustain your business in a city like Pittsburgh, because oftentimes the funding pool is quite small. You know, we don't have as much rotation. That was going to be my Um, next question that that John and other, other people have raised to me over the years has been that venture capital in Pittsburgh is risk averse has been one phrase that's been used that they want to bet on sure things and tech startups a lot of them come and go i mean that's the nature of having a startup business technology moves Mm -hmm. on you know this project Mm -hmm. closes you start another one and you are going to be going out i'm assuming for your first round of funding pretty soon correct so yeah we're we're a little bit far away from that but i think i think that's a really good point i mean i think 
I think that Pittsburgh is a really phenomenal place to start a company, to plant the seed for an idea, because the people are just phenomenal. If you reach out to somebody on LinkedIn and you want advice on a business plan or a pitch deck, or you want to pitch to somebody who's established here in the VC or startup startup area, 95% guarantee that somebody will reach out to you and provide you the support and help that you need. I think where we run into problems is whenever you have a company you're looking to scale and you need to do it quickly, right? So when you are building a company that's effective and you know that your idea is viable, you want to grow, but you want to grow at a pace where you can keep up with the demand. And I think that's oftentimes where Pittsburgh has some difficulty because in order to keep up with that demand, you need an injection of funding and you need people who are willing to take that risk and ride it with you. And so, yeah, to a certain extent, I think that there is a difficulty of being risk averse, but I think it's also about pace. Like Pittsburgh, you know, you can go to Silicon Valley and really drive a company to its peak when you kind of hit that sweet spot and you can ride it. Whereas I think in Pittsburgh, there's, there's some challenges with doing that, which is why people plant the seeds here sometimes and then go to bigger hubs to, to really scale. In, in the last few minutes we have left, I want to talk a little bit about your work. What you can, I don't want you to, to breach any confidences. Uh, Bhavani Patel is founder of Beam Data um, with the Complete Count Committee, which is a, a joint effort by the uh, city of Pittsburgh, Allegheny County, and a bunch of the sort of nonprofits in this nonprofit ecosystem to ensure that we had a complete count during the 2020 census. It's always been a, a problem, especially in poor minority and primarily rental communities of getting people to complete their census forms. So what sort of analysis did you do and Mm -hmm. what were some things that came out of your analysis? What did you learn? Yeah, so uh, we did a lot of sort of uh, creating public engagement tools, basically. So we actually relied on American Community Survey data as well as other census resources to identify where hard-to-count populations are essentially located in Allegheny County. And we basically created a really easy, you know, data visualization tool that you can click on and get a sense of like what what the low response score was in a particular community and potentially why that low response score existed. So where there is a high, where there are a higher percentage of rental units in a particular block group, for example, or where there are a particular higher population of um, immigrant communities, which are typically understood to be harder to count in general. And so we created these data visualization tools, which are, you know, all publicly available, all the information so that nonprofits and other, you know, community level organizations that really have taken the, 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 you know, in terms of moving forward to make sure that we do achieve a complete count, giving them some additional resources to be more targeted with their outreach. And so in terms of our analysis, I mean, I think, you know, we, we've conventionally found to be the same things that everybody else has been saying, right. That, you know, communities of color, black populations, um, populations that live, you know, oftentimes are struggling with poverty, individuals who live in rental, rental units, um, these are typically groups that are harder to count. And we really do need to focus on injecting resources to make sure that their voices are heard, that they are counted because this data is going to be staying with us for the next 10 years and so many important decisions are going to be made from it. So um, please take the census if you're listening and encourage <laughs> your friends and family to take the census because there's so much that depends on it. Um, and it's just, it's incredibly important. Final uh, word on the Be The Change app. As you mentioned, it is now up on the Apple store. It is going to be an Android soon. So possibly by the time people are listening to this, I know they don't always listen to podcasts right, right away. Um how many state representatives have signed up for it? I mean, ultimately, you want all everyone mm-hmm. in the state general assembly and the state senate to sign up, right? Right. So we launched on August sixth, Senator Jay Costa in the forty third state central district, and we waited about a month and a half to pilot with him, and it's it's been going great. We wanted to take that time to identify bugs and make sure that everything was smooth flowing. Um, so we're going to be focusing on um, onboarding a few additional state senators that we're in conversation with. Uh, in the coming weeks. And so we're, we're hoping to have Allegheny County largely covered and then expand out from there soon. 
Um, and then hopefully, you know, get as many state senators in Pennsylvania onboarded. We haven't, we, we are still in the process of onboarding state representatives and approaching them. Okay. Um, but, you know, within the next six months, we're really hoping that we can have a majority of the Pennsylvania state legislature engaging with the app in some capacity. But for folks who, who are listening to us on either uh, 1550 uh, WZUM Braddock or uh, WEDO McKeesport, a lot of them are represented by Jay Costa, and he's yeah. one of the first adopters. So if, you, if Jay Costa is your state senator, you can reach out to him right away. And if he's not, the app, I assume, will tell you who your state senator or representative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We'll tell you who your representatives are regardless, and you could still you know see what's being posted even if you don't live in the district. Yeah. Um, and it's free, right? Oh, absolutely. Yep. See? So there you go. The price <laughs> is right. Uh, Bhavani Patel is founder of Beam Data. You can find out more information about her work at beam-data.com. Uh, she joined us from Edgewood. Bhavani, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us today. Thank you so much. This was a wonderful conversation. And thank you all for listening today to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.